Welcome to Salem Alliance Church. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Steve Fowler. Welcome uh, you this morning, Sam Alliance. It's been a good morning already. In fact, I mean, we, we just saw the Father's love being demonstrated as the whole team was going out uh, on a missions trip. I got quite a few of those going on uh, this summer. And I want to welcome you if you're watching live stream. Glad that you're with us as well. And uh, this past week, I was in a department store and I was walking down this, this large aisle and I was passing a rows of, uh, of, of, you know, of the department store and I heard some conversation coming from one row and it sounded like uh, quite a bit of conversation and I expected as I glanced down the row that there might be several people engaged in that conversation and uh, there was not several people there. There was just one person there and they were on their cell phone. And I had this flashback, uh, this memory just pop into my mind. Do you, do you remember when you uh, were in public and you wanted to talk on the phone that you had to enter into this little tiny room? It was called a phone booth. Uh, some of you are not old enough to know what these are, so here's a picture up on the screen. This is, there used to be a time when you were in public and you were gonna talk on the phone, you had to walk into this, this small little room, you shut the door behind you and people couldn't hear what you were saying and that was a blessing, and you, and you had privacy, and that was a blessing, uh, but th- those days are, are gone, um, and, and maybe you're wondering what they've done with the phone booths. In England, what they've done is they've repurposed them, and now they're defibrillator storage units, uh, so in case of an emergency, uh, you just go to the phone booth looking thing, um, and, and that'll, be, that'll be taken care of. Anyone recognize what, what, what this is? Anyone see, see one of these? Anyone used those before? Some of you are going, what is that? It's ice cube tray. I know some of you, you've, been, you've grown up with that refrigerator. You just put the cup up next to that thing. It magically just deposits water in your cup or ice in your cup. There was a day uh, before the invention of flexible plastics that you had to put water in this aluminum tray here and it would take time to freeze. And, then, and if you wanted to get the ice cubes out, this, this little Presto lever, you pulled it up and it was magic. And the, the the, the, the ice cubes would pop out and you could put them in your water, your iced tea or whatever else uh, that you, you were drinking. Remember one that you would go on a road trip as a kid, you just hauled and jumped in the back of the station wagon? I mean, those are good memories, right? I mean, you're, you're driving along and dad hits the brakes or mom hits the brakes pretty hard and you fly up against that back seat and you sort of, and that, that was fun. That was, that was kind of cool. It's like, dad, hit the brakes again. Mom, hit the brakes again. And you sort of slide around or you could lay back if there was not, not too many of you in the back there. You could lay back and just kind of watch the sky go by. Um, and uh, yeah, th- those were good days. And speaking of kids, do you remember as a kid, that the only thing that you had to play with was this thing called the outside? <laughs> there was a day, there was a day when um, you, just, you just play with the outside. I think those are parents clapping, uh, go outside. Uh, that, that, that was, you know, there was, you just imagined situations, you played games, and uh, that, that's just kind of how you did it. Or do you remember the days when you had a phone and your, your phone, I mean, it's a shock, it had a cord on it, and it sat in this little cradle, um, and then they had this, this rotary dial. And when you would dial the phone number, um, if you messed up, you had to start all over again. And it just took time. And then there was a satisfying thing that you could do if you were frustrated. You could just slam that phone down in that cradle, and it just felt therapeutic. There was just something about it. that you just slam that thing down and take that 
that. And uh, it just, you just don't get the same feeling with a cell phone. They're hitting the button hard, it, it, it kind of hurts, and they don't feel it on the other side. And um, that, that, that's something that, that may, maybe you missed from, from the past. Um, remember when you didn't have to say, don't try this at home because you never thought about trying it at home? Uh, you, you, you wouldn't think about, about doing that. We, we've experienced a, a whole bunch of change. And you know, there's some, some in the room that maybe you hear them saying every once in a while, like, oh man, I'm gonna tell you about the good old days. Those days were good. I used to walk barefoot in the snow to school on broken glass and that was just normal and my feet were tough. I mean, that just kind of, oh, if only the present were like the past. If only, if only life today was like it was before. That, that, those were good days. The Bible actually says that's not healthy talk. One of the wisdom writers, Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse 10, says these words, do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. It's not wise to long for the yesterdays and, and, and wish that they were the, the present day uh, re- realities. It, it's not very helpful. And um, when change comes, and by the way, we've experienced significant change in our culture, in our nation, in our world. Um, wasn't long ago that, that marijuana was Ill, illegal. And now it's legal in several states, it's legal in our state, and dispensaries are popping up all around our state and, and in our city. Um, that, that's been a significant change. There's a lot of, of, of changes to how we view sexual expression. Th- those opinions have changed. In recent years, the institution of marriage has been redefined uh, 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 among us. And I don't know if you've recognized this or not, but people have become more polarized than ever. It's just, we have, we've, we've tried, we've, what we've done is, is we've gathered people around us who think like us. We have, we have we've, we've gone tribal, we want people who, who have the same shared ideology, you know, shared conversations because they have the same convictions. And, and what's happened is Republicans have become more Republican. Democrats have become more Democratic. Um, and even in, in, in Christian circles, the Reformed have become more Reformed. The Baptists have become more Baptistic. It's just we've, we've just, we've gotten all this, this tribal thinking and, and we launch our verbal spears at those other people who don't think like us. And it's, it's the norm in culture today. Friends, there's been significant sociological change in our nation, in our world. Some would say seismic change, huge change. We're starting a new series uh, this summer called Culture Shock. We wanna talk about some of those changes. We wanna talk about topics like, uh, like politics, what, what, what might we, how do we live in this, this, this political thing that's going on? And we're going to talk about um, mar- marijuana and, and the legalization of marijuana. Actually, Brian Cadell is going to talk about that because apparently he's an expert. Uh, <laughs> was that, was that, I, <laughs> we're going to, I couldn't help it. He was sitting over there. I had to just, <laughs> believe me, it'll come back. It'll come back. Uh, we're going to talk about social media. I'm going to talk about sanctity of life. Uh, we're talking about sexuality. Actually, we'll, we'll spend two weeks uh, on sexuality. And by the way, parents, we'll kind of just give you a heads up on that because I'm, that may be something you'd, in fact, most of you may want to do this live stream. I don't know, maybe this makes you nervous because anytime you start having these conversations about the, the hot topics or change, emotions run very close to the surface. They're emotions like fear. We're, we're, we get very afraid of, of, of afraid how we're gonna be viewed, how we're gonna be heard, uh, what someone's gonna say. Uh, sometimes the emotion is anger. 
anger sort of percolates. The, the, you know, the temperature gets turned up and anger sort of bubbles its way. Uh, it boils its way to the top and then it just comes pouring out. Sometimes it's apathy or the spirit of indifference. This idea that I don't even want to have that conversation. I don't even want to go there. Um, I, 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 frankly, I mean, in, I just want to just sort of insulate. I don't mean, I, I just kind of like to buy a log cabin somewhere in Montana where there aren't any people and just live the rest of my life. So, sometimes that's the deal. But, but here's, those emotions are felt by everybody, Christian or non-Christian. But here's what happens among Christians. When we're feeling those emotions like fear and anger and apathy, we tend to spiritualize them. We, tend, we take fear and, and we, turn, we spiritualize it and sometimes it, it becomes this sort of prophetic doomsday-like prophet speaking. That we're on this proverbial river that's headed for the waterfall and if things don't change, we're gonna go over the waterfall and we're gonna plummet thousands of feet to our demise. And fear takes over. We spiritualize anger. And, and we say things like, we gotta take back our nation. We gotta take a stand. And we use a lot of battle metaphor in our language. And, and, and rage is just under the surface. We're angry. And there is such a thing as holy anger. I just haven't seen much of it lately. And, and, and then we spiritualize apathy. We, sometimes what we do is we overemphasize some certain doctrines about who God is. Now, we don't have to worry about anything. God's God's sovereign. There's not any part for us to play. So we disengage. And we kind of adopt a spirit of indifference. Here's here's the thing. Fear, anger, indifference, or apathy will not help us find our way and influence in our changing world. Fear, anger, or apathy, those, those things will not help us. They might make us feel better that we vented, but they, they will not help us find our way. They will not help us find our influence in our changing world. This series is all about looking at the sociological change, the impact it has on our world, the impact it has on us, and how do we find our way, and how do we find our influence in this environment. Now, we're not the first Christians to live in a culture that's headed in a direction that perhaps we're not comfortable with. We're not the first believers to find ourselves living in a time where culture is going in a direction that you might call evil, dark, uh, you know, just whatever, wicked, whatever word you might use. In fact, this, this is a pretty common occurrence. In fact, Paul writes a letter to a, a church of believers in a, in a town called Ephesus. It's a city, actually. It's a marketplace city. It's a religious city. There's a, there's a temple there, and frankly, much of the economy revolves around this, the, the, the temple worship there, and there are Christians there, and, and Paul is writing to them, and he's talking to them about how to find their way and influence in that city. Paul writes these words in Ephesians chapter five. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, I just want you to look at Ephesians five here because this is, this is really helpful. If I wanna live a careful life, if I want to make the most of every opportunity, let me just hit the pause button right there. Friends, there's opportunity. Here's what fear and anger will do. Here's the apathy. Fear, anger, or, or apathy will, will, the temptation will be to remove yourself from the opportunities that God is bringing right to our doorsteps. 
There's opportunity, even in, 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 in when you experience significant change like we have in our culture, in our world. If I want to live a careful life, if I want to make the most of every opportunity, if I want to understand what the Lord's will is, then friends, we don't need fear, we don't need anger, we don't need apathy, we need wisdom. We need biblical wisdom. We need sage-like wisdom. We need Jesus-like insight in order to find our way and influence in our changing world. Now, years ago, Trina and I were, were making our way home to, uh, to Hood River. Actually, it was, it was her, where she grew up and where her parents were living, and we were uh, living in Washington at the time, but we were going home for the holidays, and uh, we, were, we were driving in our very unattractive Ford Aerostar van. Uh, it was nighttime, and there was a full-blown snowstorm taking place. It was dark. We're driving down the Columbia River Gorge, and snow is going sideways. There's so much snow on the road that you don't know where the road ends, and um, you just, you just kind of want to get to your destination and get off this road as quickly as you can. As we're going along, we, as we're trying to make our way, we, we see sort of a bit of a, a convoy of lights. There's a semi-truck, and then there's like three cars behind the semi-truck, and the semi-truck's driving about 40, 45 miles an hour, going kind of slow, and these cars have tucked themselves behind the semi-truck, keeping their eyes on, on the taillights uh, to sort of find their way down, down I-84. Uh, as I'm pulling up, I realize this, this truck is going slow. The speed limit is 65. Granted, there's snow on the road, um, and I have a decision to make. I, I can get to my destination faster by going over to that lane that really isn't a lane in a snowstorm um, and, and zipping by and getting, getting to where we're going quicker, or I can join the convoy and just keep my eyes on the lights in front of me, the taillights in front of me, and, and find my way to Hood River. Now, I'm, I'm thinking about this decision, and Trina significantly helped me make that decision. So I pulled in behind the lights, and we just, just, we just slowly made our way. Um, and every time one of those big trucks went by, something inside me is like, that's, that's, that's who I want to be. <laughs> but I'm in a Ford Aerostar van, so reality check. Um, and, and Suburbans go by, and you know, four-wheel drive cars are going by. And the closer we get to Hood River, the, the more littered the highway is with these cars that passed us on the way. And we just followed these two little taillights, putting our complete trust in this semi-truck that it was actually going to stay on the road. And we got to our destination. As we follow the light in our culture, it's, it's just understand that there is, a, there is a path forward. And what Paul was telling the Ephesians church and, and what Jesus would say to us, because he is wisdom, is to keep our eyes on him, to follow the light and, and find our way and influence. And there, there are specific ways that we can do this, even with those topics that can, that, can be, that can tend to be a little bit polarizing, that there's a wise way to approach this. So here's what I want to do. At the front end of, the, of, the, of this series, we'll talk politics next weekend. But this weekend, I just want to, how do we have this conversation? And not only do, how do we have this conversation, because there are community groups that are going to be sort of digesting this and, and following up on some of these talks and, uh, or maybe having a conversation before they come and hear a talk, uh, but then how do we live it out in our world? We need wisdom. More than fear, more than anger, more than apathy, we need Jesus-like insight so we can find our way and find our influence in our changing world. So what I want to do is I want to give you three pictures of what wisdom does not look like. 
Three pictures of what wisdom does not look like, a definition of wisdom, a working definition of wisdom, and then some practical steps that will help us have the conversation and help us live out our lives in our changing world. And these three pictures, I'm just gonna quickly pull from a, from a guy who's known as one of the most, the wisest uh, leaders in, in history. His name was Solomon. This guy was, was superior in wisdom, and in fact, so much so that other nations sent their leaders to him that they could learn from him. And Solomon uh, has written much of the book of Proverbs. And if you've ever read the book of Proverbs, there's, a, there's pictures of what wisdom does not look like. There's several of them. I've just chosen three. But in order to help us understand what wisdom is, it'd be helpful to see what it's not. So here's the, we're diving. Here's the first picture, this first picture of anti-wisdom. It's the simple. It's the simple person. Now, this is a person who is not against wisdom. They just haven't lived long enough to acquire it. They're a bit clueless, they're a bit naive, um, they, they, just, they just don't know any better. It's not that they're, they're, they're not intelligent, they just, they just haven't lived long enough, or they don't have wise enough people around them to help them know how to, how to find their way in life. Now, in Proverbs chapter 7, Solomon is, is, is going to tell a story here, and it's a story of, of a simple, naive man. Um, and, and it says, while I was at the window of my house looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men and one in particular who lacked common sense. By the way, you ever watched a movie and seen something that's going to happen and someone's going about to do something and you're like, no, don't do it. Why are you going into that room? That, don't go there. The cellar. Why go in the cellar? It's nighttime. There's no lights down there. Have you ever done that? You're talking to the movie? This, this story that Solomon is, is laying out here, just imagine the theme music to Jaws playing in the background. Okay, it's like, da 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 No, what are you doing? I saw some naive young men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. It was at twilight. It was in the evening. It was at when deep darkness fell. No, what are you doing? It's a picture of a simple person. They're just, they, it's not like they're looking for trouble. They just, they just don't know any better. It's not like... They're, they're against wisdom. They just don't know what wisdom looks like. But what simple people do is, Solomon will describe a little bit later in the story, he says he was like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap awaiting the arrow that will pierce his heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. This is the simple. The simple need wise people around them. They need people with experience around them. And you know what? Yes, you can be young and be simple, and you can be old and be simple. So, you know, sometimes it's about age, but not all the time. And this is the first picture of what wisdom does not look like. It's a naive, naivete, a cluelessness about the pain, the harm, the hurt that's about to happen. Here's the second picture of anti-wisdom. It's called the fool. Uh, the fool um, is, is not like the simple. The simple, it just doesn't know. They're, they're, they're naive. The fool knows. They've been told that if you, if you do that, that's, that's going to bring pain. That's going to bring harm. The fool's response is, don't tell me how to live my life. 
The fool's response is, it's my life, it's my time, it's my money, it's my body. Don't you tell me how to live my life. And this is not a new phenomenon. Solomon says, describing the, the fool, says this in chapter 28, those who trust in their own insight are fools. Those, those who trust in their own, it's being foolish. Uh, and by the way, Solomon would also say that a companion of fools suffers harm. So if you have a business partner who's a fool, there's, there's typically collateral damage. Or maybe you live in a neighborhood and there's someone who is foolish there, there's collateral damage in the neighborhood, uh, in, in the workplace. You may be married to a fool. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Uh. I'm the simple. <laughs> uh, there's collateral damage when, when you're a companion. And here's also what Solomon says. If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs and there is no quiet. Right, think about that verse through the lens of, of TV. Think about that verse through the lens of social media. No quiet, raging, argument. I mean... That's the fool. The first picture is the simple, the naive, the clueless. The second one is the fool who, who knows better, but don't tell me how to live my life. The third one is the person who's called the mocker, and the mocker is the fool on steroids. Some of your Bible translations will call this person the scoffer. The mocker is being told that, that that's not wise, or you, that, that's not helpful, that, that, that'll hurt you, or that don't, don't do that. And the mocker's response is, don't tell me how to live my life. And what they then turn around and they do is they berate, they ridicule, they speak with condescending language, and they demean and devalue. They just go after you. The insults fly from the mocker or the scoffer. Uh, Solomon, writing about the mocker, says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insults, Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. If you find yourself uh, near a, a living near a mocker, one of the best things you can do is just stay silent. Because the moment you open your mouth, it's just the, the, the abuse comes. Sometimes that's the right approach. And these are three pictures of what wisdom does not look like. Now, we need wisdom. So we see the simple, the fool, and the mocker. I, what, what tends to happen is we, we look through the lens of seeing what's going on out there in culture, in our world, and maybe names are already popping in your mind. But don't just look out there. Look in, look in here. Because sometimes, as we experience change in society that we're not comfortable with, and fear and anger and apathy start taking over, we and we can be the mockers. Or what we can do is we can say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm following after Christ and I, this whole, I'm surrendering all this to Christ, but there's this one area that you're involved in something that you know is not right, but what you're saying to others and what you're saying to God is, don't tell me how to live. It's my life, it's my time, it's my money. We can be foolish. Or you might find yourself going down a, a path and you're just naive and clueless and you need wise people surrounding you to speak into your life. So these are the three pictures of what wisdom does not look like. Now here's the definition. Let's get, let's get a working definition here. Wisdom is knowing how things really work. 
knowing how things really are and what I should do about it. It's becoming competent with regard to the realities of life. It's, it's one pastor's kind of stab at wisdom. I love that last phrase. It's, it's being competent with the realities of life. One of, the, one of the, the classic stories that's told about Solomon, this leader who was so wise, is that early on in his leadership, there were these two women, there were two prostitutes, and one night, one of the prostitutes rolled over on this baby that, that was hers, suffocated the child, the child died. And so in the middle of the night, she switches her child with the other woman's child and, and takes it, they were about the same age, and when the other woman wakes up, she's, uh, she's sobbing because this child is dead and then realizes it's not her child, and this argument breaks, breaks loose and this Fast forward the story here. They have their day in court with, with King Solomon. And what Solomon decides to do is he calls for a sword and he's gonna cut this baby in half and give half to each of the mothers. And, and as that, the, the child is taken, the real mother shouts and says, stop, stop, just give the child to her. And Solomon says, give that child to her because she's the real mother. That story went viral in Israel. Because people were like, oh, how, why? Solomon didn't have 15 of these cases before he made the right decision. <laughs> Solomon just was wise enough to know that there is a mother's heart that can be tap tapped into here. He was competent with the realities of life. We need that wisdom. So how do we practically move forward in this in this? Change, changing culture that we're like, changing world that we live in, how do we move forward in the conversations that we'll be having in our community groups or with each other or in small groups? I just wanna give you three practical steps and we'll wrap up. First step is this. Listen with the purpose to understand. Friends, I, I think that we have been discipled by culture in this one in, in regards to, we, we, we're, we're in our camps, we're, we're in our tribes, and, um, and as we have conversations with people, the first, the first kind of view we've got going on here is, is the person I'm having a conversation with, do they agree with everything that I agree with? We, we're, we're, oftentimes we're in conversation with people and one of the first things we want to do is we want to make sure there's agreement. The goal of conversation, the first goal of conversation is not agreement, it's understanding. It's listening. Why does that person think like that? and let them talk and hear them. And sometimes it's very helpful just to say, what I hear you saying is this. But oftentimes what we're doing is we're listening and we're engaging in conversation and we're checking boxes that making sure that they, they don't, do they use the New Living Translation of the King James? Oh, okay, check that box. Duck or beaver, check that box. Republican or Democrat, I mean, check that box. We won't even, start, we won't even begin receiving from somebody until we, are, we feel like we, we can fully trust this person that they think exactly like we think. Newsflash, if you surround people, you surround yourself with people who think exactly like you, you're not gonna grow in wisdom. And you can actually learn from people who don't think like you. Actually, you will gain relational wisdom by understanding and being a careful listener. Listen to understand. The second thing I'd say to you is embrace a convictional kindness. Again, we've been discipled by culture on this one. We think the louder we talk, the more convicted we are on a topic. If I just turn up the volume levels, 
then people really know I'm taking a stand here. If we just shout loud, loud enough, if we just hold big enough signs, it'll make us feel better about our convictions. In fact, what ends up happening is in our culture, we just talk over each other. If someone's kind of sharing something that we, and we completely disagree, we just talk over them. It, you, you can have a conviction and be kind at the very same time. It's possible. You don't have to shout. You, you, you can embrace a convictional kindness. First Peter chapter three, verses 15 and 16. Listen to these words. If someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Friends, we want, might want to memorize this verse through this series. Because it's not just about conversations with people outside the church, it's conversation with each other. We might want to write this out, put it on the mirror, put it on the refrigerator. Engage in conversation, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Embrace a convictional kindness. Love is not rude. It just isn't. And you don't have to be rude in order to get your point across. Listen with the purpose to understand. Embrace a convictional kindness. Lastly, ask, is this wise? I think whenever we see society change, that one of the first questions that we will ask is, is this right or wrong? And that's a helpful question. It's a good question. And the scriptures speak very clearly to a, a lot of the things that, that, that are, are changing in our culture. But there are many things that are changing, some that we haven't even heard of yet, that are changing that, that frankly, the scriptures do not speak clearly to. So for example, Nowhere in the scriptures does it say, thou shalt not roll a joint. <laughs> now you can try and get the scriptures to say that. In fact, people on both sides of that issue that Brian's gonna talk about <laughs> are gonna, are, are gonna have go-to verses. But the most helpful question is not, is this right or wrong? Really the most helpful question is, is this wise or unwise? That, that, that just takes you a completely different direction. It isn't a right or wrong conversation. It becomes a wise, this is wise or this is foolish. What, what direction should I go? And those are just, that's, those are not all the ways to express wisdom, but those are just three practical ways as we engage in this conversation, as we live our lives in, in, in our city, in our world. Listen with the purpose to understand. Embrace a convictional kindness. Ask, is this wise or, or, or unwise? Because, friends, Fear will not help us find our way in our changing world. Anger will not make us more influential. Apathy will not move the kingdom of God down the field by, by extricating ourselves from, from all that we're experiencing. You can live careful lives, seizing every opportunity, uh, and, and understand what God's will is by pursuing wisdom and following the light of the world. Because he is wisdom. Amen? Let's pray to that end. So Lord, this morning, the front end of this series, we've called it culture shock, and for some, this is super shocking. For others, it's like, 
What's so shocking? Um, Some of us have been around a long time. Some of us have not been around a long time. Lord, I just pray as we move through this series that we would do a great job of listening to each other. Lord, that, that we would speak the truth in love, that our words would be clothed in gentleness, we'd be respectful of each other, we'd be gentle with our world, respectful of people in our world. Grant us wisdom, Lord. And Lord, today we just remind ourselves that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Thank you, Lord, you're almighty. You, you are God, and we submit, we submit ourselves to you. We pray this in your name, amen. Salem Alliance Church is a community of Jesus followers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. You can view today's entire service online at livestream.com backslash Salem Alliance.